We've all experienced what it's like to hear a powerful story that moves us towards saying yes in business. But the fact is, most stories just kind of fall flat. Why is that? I've spent 40 years of my life learning why, learning how to do it well, and helping others to do it for themselves. And that's why I created the Power Story Worksheet. It contains the exact steps I and my clients use for strategically crafted communication in the business moments that bring clients, business opportunities, partnerships, referrals, loyalty, and human understanding. And here's the thing, once you build your own power stories, you can use them anywhere, over and over, in your presentations, webinars, pitches, books, speeches, media appearances, website content, sales and marketing content, internal communications, and important one-on-one -on -one conversations. Because the thing is, anyone can write an email or tell a random story, but it takes guidance to craft a story-driven message for the business moments that truly matter. To get your free copy of my Power Story Worksheet, go to storygreenlight.com slash power story. That's storygreenlight.com slash power story. In creating content, in, in one way you're already selling something, you've got to make a transaction of convincing someone to spend their time with you, which is valuable, right? There's room for you to have an audience and build a whole business around what you're doing. Sometimes offering a product or service online makes sense because we see lots of people doing it. But when it comes to helping people with our own creativity or knowledge, sometimes it's easy to get stuck and wonder how that would actually work for us. Joe Gilder is a musician, producer, and the founder of HomestudioCorner.com. He's worked with Sweetwater Sound, creates content for Personas, and he's spent the last 15 years serving thousands of students with his online courses, events, and memberships. Music changes, technology changes, and so has Joe's business. Here's how things have worked for Joe and how they can work for you. Welcome to the Story Greenlight Podcast, where we're all about empowering creators like you to tell your stories, connect with your audience, and create the impact that you were put on this planet to make. My name is Jeff Barch. I'm a coach, author, and entrepreneur with over 20 years of experience shaping content for ABC, NBC, Universal, Disney, Apple, and a whole bunch of others. My team and I support YouTube creators with followings in the hundreds to the many millions. At Story Greenlight, we believe that you matter, your message matters, and the world needs to hear what you have to say. Joe Gilder, how the heck are you, dude? Hey, buddy. I'm so good. It's good to see your face. It's been way too it's long. It's been a minute. The, uh, the, the, yeah. the, last time, the last time we hung out in person was at your house, I think. Yep. Yep. That was, I mean, that would have been... Seven years ago, six years ago, good grief, <laughs> something like that. But what? And I don't. Do, do your people know that you're a fantastic musician? Has that come out? You know, it 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 pops up every once in a while. Okay. Well, I knew Jeff played keyboard. I had no idea how like how well he could play. But um, I was working on an album at the time, and I had this song, and he just sits down at the keyboard and starts playing this sick jazzy bluesy like electric piano thing and we ended up just recording it after dinner anyway that a man of many talents for sure well thank you sir it was uh it, it, well, it, it's and it's one of those things where you're talking about hey, for the first 20 years of my life pretty much everyone only really knew me as jeff the piano guy 
Mm -hmm. And it's been this whole twist and turn journey thing after my mid twenties where I was still doing piano stuff, but I was out in LA and I was doing the TV thing and I was Jeff, the video guy. And then I started doing YouTube stuff and did other things. And now, uh, the thing is I actually hardly ever play piano anymore at all, which some people say, dude, what are you doing? What are you thinking? What use it or lose it? I'm going, well, yeah. One of the things that I've realized about music for me is music has very often ended up being me staying in the background, being the accompanist. Mm -hmm. I've spent it, pretty much all of my life when I was known as Jeff the piano guy, I was Jeff the supporting actor. I was Jeff the pianist, the guy accompanying the choir, whatever. And um, I realized that I'm in a different stage in my life at this point. And uh, it's time for me to step out and be the front man. And I don't sing, at least not front man style. So... <laughs> <laughs> so it takes it just takes a different uh, it just takes a different form. Uh, you, on the other hand, you definitely sing and you play all the things and you can record yeah. all the things and you do all that. And so, for people uh, who don't know anything beyond what they've heard in the introduction to this episode, uh, how did you get started in music and, and what were you wanting at the beginning? a good question um I, I like a lot of people i took piano lessons that my mom made me take as a kid mm -hmm. um came from a fairly musical family uh picked up a guitar in my teenage years taught myself how to play started writing songs joined a crappy band you know the whole pretty stereotypical story but um did you play in a garage what, was it a garage band of. we were in some sort of a room where a hot tub was so probably you could count that as <laughs> There was a hot tub that took up most of the room. Nice. We put speakers on top of it. Um, <laughs> we were terrible. But um, if any of you were listening, we weren't terrible, but we were terrible. The, uh, but you had a hot so tub. From there, I wanted to, I was in a small town, Mississippi. So, and I, I made a little album, really crappy little album of some songs that I wrote. So I was like big stuff. I was like the rock star of the little town. So I wanted, I wanted to pursue music. I was like, I'm going to be, a, I'm going to be a rock star. And then, um, kind of discovered recording and audio kind of as an aside, as a means to an end and fell in love with that. So ended up going to school for audio thinking I would do it just to be a rock star, but then realized I just really like all this. Like it's very analogous to what you do with video, um, kind of a different form of storytelling. Um, but all the technology and all the stuff you have to do to create something simple and beautiful is it's really fun and kind of an endless source of fascination for me. So that, that led me to, working in the industry in a lot of different ways and like the music business, uh, more on like the product side, like selling gear and stuff like that. Um, and started this little blog YouTube channel to talk about gear and mixing tips and things like that. And it kind of turned into what it is today. So and that was well, good. 10, 11 years ago. Okay. So you, so you started out with the classic, I want to be, I want to be the rock star. Mm -hmm. discovered that you really love the recording and producing and mixing end of end of things. How did you buckle down on that? And where did you learn? And because, because basically what, what's happening is you've learned all this. Then you said, okay, I'm going to go out and I'm going to teach other people 
and mm-hmm. earn money while helping other people learn how to do this mm-hmm. stuff. So how did you get your chops in place in the first place? That's a good question. Um, I mean, a lot of what I learned I've used with my own music. So I still produce and release music. And so a lot of it was the idea for doing content was part of, I know this stuff. I enjoy like at the time I loved writing and I didn't really have an outlet for that. So it started as just like writing articles. Um, but as far as like going towards the technology versus the career as an artist, it was more, it just, it surprised me. It was kind of like, like I do the editing for my videos here and it's very minimal. There's not a lot, there's not a lot going on in the editing, but even that I find it's a really fun, interesting process. Um, piecing even simple videos that I do together. Um, it was the same way with music. I found that doing all the behind the scenes work after the stuff's recorded was just really engaging from a creative standpoint uh, and really fun, but also really difficult. So like to get, you know, we all listen to great sounding music and we probably take it for granted. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you just slap a mic in front of a drum kit and it's amazing. And if you've ever tried to mix drums or record drums, you know, holy crap, it's really hard. Um, and it, the, the distance between where I am when I start and where I want to be seems infinite. Um, and so as I learned how to do it, I was like, I want to share this with people, specifically people who were just wanting to record their own music in their bedroom that just needed, you know, maybe I wasn't speaking to like the Grammy award winning engineers. They know what they're doing. It was more to guys like you and me who maybe want to record a song on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got a few extra bucks to buy some guitars and some gear, but everything sounds like garbage. So that's hopefully where they end up finding me and I can help them out a little bit. Okay. So while this was happening, you know, one of the same things that, that happened within the uh, entertainment industry out in LA it used to be that in order to do everything or in order, in order to do anything, you had to have access to ridiculously expensive gear and only a small handful of people had that. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, technology changes and the people who were making, who were billing $500 an hour to run these crazy expensive machines out in LA in the eighties. Can you mm-hmm. imagine you're Hourly rate was 500 bucks an hour in, in 1987. That's a lot of money. That, dang. So that stuff doesn't exist anymore. Technology changed everything on its head. Everyone stops buying physical media for music. And uh, how, did that affect, how did that affect you and the stuff that you were teaching? I mean, so what, what that, you know, everything was turned on its head. Yeah. So I kind of... I started my YouTube channel in 2009. So I'm kind of, I kind of rode the wave up, if that makes sense. So like iTunes had been out for a few years. iPods were huge, like digital music, Napster, all that had kind of happened as I was starting to learn this stuff. And so for me, it was more like, I don't know if I would be doing what I do now if it wasn't for that big change, right? Um, Mainly because I speak to the people who spend a couple of hundred bucks to get a mic in a little USB box to try to record some stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that person, like you said, just that would not even been, they would get into a different hobby. They'd go fishing or something else. Cause there was getting into recording would is a, you know, hundred thousand dollar hobby. If you wanted to do it 30, 40 years ago. Right. Um, so now kind of, I mean, I'm sure it's super analogous to video. It's, it's really easy to do it badly and everyone has access to it. And so now the real desire is, okay, I, how, I can do this, but it's not good. How do I get good at it? And so there's that, that became this huge opportunity. Yeah. 
so you you made that transition from okay I'm, I'm getting my ch- getting my chops i'm i'm learning stuff i want to help other people and when that happened you actually had to get to the point where as a creative person doing this creative stuff you actually had to start selling things mm-hmm. and a lot of creative people just they either think that selling is this terrible disgusting word just icky and gross yeah. all around uh-huh. or they're just flat out scared of it mm-hmm. so how did that uh, how how did that come into your world and how did you uh, how did you start approaching that one of the best things that happened to me is right after college i got married and i went to school near nashville moved to indiana and worked for a company called sweetwater that it's one of the biggest companies that sells music equipment. So kind of like Massive. working in a toy store as an audio guy, yeah. uh, sells guitars, equipment, stuff like that. So I went into a sales job where my salary, my, my check was a straight commission. Like you either sell stuff or you don't. And that was how I made money. And so like the first year, as you can imagine, was really hard. And we had to like sell my guitar, my wife's wedding ring just to make ends meet. Oh, but then I kind of got the hang of it. Yeah, that's a whole thing. And then I kind of got the hang of it and started to really realize, wait, this sales thing's cool. So for me, I came out of a sales background that was really helpful, being able to talk to people, communicate, build relationships, and then sell them something one-on-one was a really, and that was really the same, similar idea to what I do with my YouTube channel and my business is people are coming to me with questions and I help them. And then they, at, at the store, I would sell them the microphone they had questions about or whatever. Now I just sell them a course um, that can help them use that microphone to do whatever they're trying to do. So for me, coming out of a sales background was really big. Um, but also just in getting feedback, pe- people would ask if I had more, like, what do you have more? Like, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? And like, originally I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write an ebook. Aha. I'm a big dreamer. <laughs> I'm going to write myself an ebook. <laughs> that was as big as I could think at the time, but it was enough to get me started thinking about, okay, what if this was a business and not just a little hobby? Um, but it was really kind of came from people asking for more of what I was doing. Okay. Already. So, so for the people, and, well, and, and I will say you and I first met within the context of, of being part of an organization that is all focused around selling. <laughs> yeah. And to the point where to the point where you're you're listening to these folks who are all about the marketing and they say there is no problem that they can that cannot be solved by selling more things and you're going <laughs> yeah. eh, it yeah. sounds it sounds like they're certainly confident in saying it and it certainly sounds like it makes sense and there and I've come to realize that there is a lot of truth in that with a enormous asterisk at the end man there's a lot more to know about building a business than just selling Mm -hmm. but that selling thing it's such a big hump for so many people to get over so for the people for, for the people listening or watching to this and saying okay well that's all well and good you got thrown into the deep end and you had to you had to learn how to sell things Otherwise, you didn't pay the rent. Good for you. I've never had that experience. And how do you how do you get that? How do you talk to people about that in terms of okay? Well, you in in order to give value to the world, 
you have to be able to make a transaction. How does that, how do you yeah. tell people about that? It's a fair question for sure. Um, it reminds me of when in the, in the audio world, there are, you could come across a video of a famous producer who's listening to some tracks from, you know, the latest Billie Eilish record or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're showing how they use certain software to make it sound a certain way that there's a point here. Um, and, and a lot of times I would watch those early on and think, well, the tracks already sound good. So what are you really doing? You're just, you're just putting a little bit of sprinkle on top, but it would already sound good. I'm over here with tracks that sound terrible. It, it, you can't relate to me. And I would miss the point of the reason these songs are so great is because the original track sounded so good. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that they were garbage like mine, but someone had a magic formula of the right plugins to put in place to make it amazing. Kind of garbage in, garbage out kind of thing, mm-hmm. which is completely true for for video and editing and all that as well. Like you have to think, you have to think about so much more the composition and the, all all that crap. Um, and by crap, I mean all that wonderful detail that makes for a good story. <laughs> well, um, and, well, and and the fact of the matter is. A lot of the stuff in terms of actually connecting with an audience on YouTube, you don't need the most right. of that. Right. Which has been a whole right. other journey of me learning that over the last years anyway, but that's a whole other discussion. I'm sure it has been. Um, so that's a roundabout way of saying like some of it just it just comes with experience and time of doing it because in creating content in, in one way you're already selling something. You've got to make a transaction of convincing someone to spend their time with you, mm-hmm. which is valuable, right? Like I only subscribe to a handful of podcasts because I know I'm not going to have time for all of them. So I'm picky about which one. So you got to sell me on why, which hang on, I need to make sure I put yours on there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think you told me that you were doing it. So um, you've got to sell me on why I need to spend my time with you. I get a lot of engineers or like want learning wannabe engineers who are like, I go on, hang on, subscribe. Um, I go on to, oh, now I'm playing your episode. Oh, there so anyway, you I, um, They'll say, hey, I, I, I've got this equipment. I've learned the basics of recording. And I put up an ad on Craigslist that said, free recording session. And they're like, and nobody will take me up on it. What's wrong? And I have to tell them, that's not free. Like, imagine, Jeff, like, say you wrote some songs. You want to do like a piano vocal mm-hmm. EP for your mom okay. for Mother's Day, mm-hmm. which is coming up. Um, or maybe just passed because I'm guessing this episode doesn't go live this week. Anyway, the and, and someone said, I'll do it for free. Well, you got to think, is it worth me taking a day, taking a day off work or a day away from the family to go all the way to your place to set up, to spend a day doing this only to get a really crappy sounding thing at the end, mm-hmm. right? It's a big risk for you. Maybe no money out of pocket, but it was still, a, there's still a transaction to be made. So this person's thinking, I offered it for free. What more could I do? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you, you got to show them that what you that, that you can deliver the thing that they want. So content makes that a lot easier, right? I make a video. If I help enough people, they'll be like, ooh, I like what you're doing. I'd like more of that. So it wasn't like this big, oh, no, I'm about to ask for money and they're going to hate me thing. It was more like some of them, I would imagine some of them would say, finally, like, give you you know, the whole give me, take my money mm-hmm. meme, like. you're giving me something really valuable. I love what you do on YouTube, but I would love like a structured course. When I took classes in college, they were very structured. And I was fascinated by the, we would learn how to record a vocal and then we would go record a vocal or we would learn how to tune a vocal, which believe it or not, 
we tune vocals up. Um, what? And then I would, right, I know. Everyone doesn't sing perfectly on pitch. It's news to me. Uh, and we would go do that. And that whole structure was really cool. But people who are just learning this stuff as hobbyists, especially, they don't have that kind of structure. So they're just going from random YouTube video to an Instagram post, and they're just kind of feeling lost. So even just giving them almost the same content I give on YouTube, it's not the same, but it's, it's in such a way that gives them kind of a starting point and an end point, And they have gone through something and learned something in its entirety. There's a lot of value there in just kind of keeping them in one place. So for me, it's like market research, like crazy creating content. And then you see what people like, and then that starts to kind of tell you what, what they would pay for on top of the free stuff you're already doing. So what, so it, if you're paying attention here, you might want to just rewind that because what Joe that's what he just said was that it's not just about giving information. You're providing value to your people in ways that include information, but go beyond it because Joe is just describing how the, it's the curation and it's the arrangement of the information that provides the value so that you, the consumer don't have to go spending the next 18 months of your life hitting play through every random YouTube video that mm -hmm. may or may not have anything to do with your life. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you think about like one thing that I hear a lot is like, well, I don't have anything new to say. And like, mm. I, I also don't like, am I the first person to learn how to use this EQ on a vocal to make it sound a certain way? No, any hundred of people, hundreds of people could teach you that but I'm going to teach it in a way that maybe you connect with. Um, like Jeff, if I watch your video and I watch another guy's video on, on a, the same exact topic, chances are I'm going to connect with one of you more than the other. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean one of you is better or worse. It's just, I connect with you because of the way you talk or your pretty haircut. And the other guy just maybe has a Boston accent and I just don't connect with that as much or whatever. Um, it, and so there's room for both of you to have an audience and the, build a whole business around what you're doing, even though you both technically told me the same piece of information. Like we all do that. We gather around certain personalities that we connect with. Nobody's telling us anything incredibly unique. It's just the person that's telling it is the unique part. And then the information just needs to be good, but not necessarily one of a kind. So we have this idea of providing value to people and turning that into what becomes a business of you have this thing, you have this thing where you offer these packages of value, however you build them up and put them together. Mm -hmm. And that has taken a lot of different forms for a lot of different people over the years, especially over the internet, because basically internet years are, they're, they're like dog years on steroids. I mean, it's, it just, time just flies. So could you just describe some of the versions that your business has gone through? Mm -hmm. How did you start out by offering things to your public, to your people? And how's that changed? The first thing was, and I didn't even think that this would happen. That's how like clueless I was, is people would just want to hire me just to do the work. Hey, could you, like, I made a good friend. You've met my buddy, Kevin, out in LA. He and I are only friends because he found my website, connected with me, shot me an email. I ended up like producing his next 
and mixing his next album. Like he flew to Nashville from LA. We had never met, spends a week to record vocals at my house. His wife and my wife hanging out for the first time, just like awkward all over the place, but we became good friends for so many years now. Um, but I, I never thought if I just demonstrate that I do this stuff, then people will want to hire me to do it. I just assumed, well, I'm teaching you how to do it. You're not going to hire me to do it. But it makes sense now that I think about it. Like, I'll watch your video on editing, but then I'll be like, mm, not there yet. Jeff, could you, could I just hire you to edit this project? Mm-hmm. That's a very normal, natural thing that I didn't even see coming. So if, you know, in the terms of, and being in those groups that talk a lot about sales and scale and all of that, it's mm-hmm. almost frowned upon to take client work right? Because it's a time for money thing and you can only do so much and there's a limit to how much you can do. But if you're just starting out, that's a fantastic way to A, kind of start generating a little bit of actual money, having money change hands, but you also get to interact with your market. Um, And if it's something like creative work where you're getting some of their raw material to work on, there's a goldmine of information there where you you start to see the same mistakes coming up with all the projects that you're doing. Mm -hmm. So then that can become a topic for your content, which will make your content more valuable, which will in turn kind of get that whole cyclical feedback loop going. Um, So for me, content or or, um, client work, contract work was kind Mm -hmm. of the first thing that happened. Either mix my song. Sometimes they would say, Hey, will you sing the lead vocal on this song? Just stuff I never expected. And I'd say, well, if I didn't want to, I would just, quote a higher price and then they'd say sure and so they're like well i guess i'll do it now <laughs> you um, know I, I would not that, have expected you to say that in terms of something that's so that can be so intensely personal as music mm-hmm. and they say can you just do my music for me what mm-hmm. <laughs> what but people were yeah. asking her for that i mean you hear that they occasionally have these songwriter nights here in nashville where the original songwriter of these hit songs will perform mm-hmm. um and they're typically not that great musicians. So like hmm. Tim McGraw has that hit song, Red Ragtop. But then the guy who wrote the song sings it and you're like, meh, it's an okay song. Like you, cause he's just an okay musician. So like, it's this weird thing, but yeah, like people will say, I love this song. I'd rather have someone who can sing a little bit better, sing it for me or mix it for me or whatever, hmm. even though they're still going to learn from me and they might still buy my course and end up doing it themselves. There was this weird place where I could help them in the meantime. And it was ended up being pretty fruitful. Cool. So you started off with doing client work unexpectedly, mm-hmm. but all of a and sudden then, you get, you get all these extra, all, all this, all these extra insights of the questions mm-hmm. that people are actually asking. And next step is. Next step is uh, I launched a course. So I, I launched the, the website and the YouTube channel in April, 2009. And then Pretty soon thereafter, I l- thankfully learned that I should have an email list. That was kind of, so I made that a part of my um, process. And by the, by November, by October, November, I had about 500 subscribers, um, which seemed massive, which is a, it's a big deal. That's 500 people who were interested in what I was doing. Yeah. And so from there, I launched this janky little course on, it's like a 13 week course on basically recording a song start to finish. Um. And I launched it having only created the first week's worth of content. Um, oh, you mean you didn't have everything completely done and wrapped up with a tidy little bow? Beforehand? I had a rough idea of where it was going. And I was committed to like making it. I think I think I divided the process up into 13 weeks that I thought I could do. But yeah, I, I did the whole, you know, did a little webinar and did a little, made a little sales page and sold it for, I think the, you could either pop, 
do three payments of $39 or one payment of $137 or whatever, 117. It was weird prices, but, um, and it was done. Like literally I delivered the course via email. Here's a link, download the video, watch it. Like didn't have a system with comments or a membership platform. Um, and I sold it through PayPal. They had the little, you could have a little subscription button from PayPal. Like it was as redneck duct tape as you could get. Um, but it was fun and I was excited and I bought one of those to shoot the course. I bought one. Remember the flip cams? Mm-hmm. The little, they were like tiny, tiny look like a little cigarette pack case thingy. Yeah. yeah, literally. Yeah. The size of a pack of cigarettes and had a red button to record in 720. Mm-hmm. And then you flip this little thing and a USB stick popped out so you could plug it in and transfer the files <laughs> off. And I, I thought I was such big stuff. Um, but that was, I mean, that was, that was it. And I remember, I want to say I made like three grand from that launch um, from this and down it, and dirty. Yeah. Didn't nasty. even, didn't even have the product n- 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 even half completed nope. before you said, I'm going to sell this. <laughs> that is amazing. It was. Yeah. And it, and it, and it was great. And I think it was like, it's like three grand up front. And then I made another like two grand the next month because of the people who did the, the payment thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like, I was like, honey, we're going to Red Lobster. Like, <laughs> or <laughs> some cheesy biscuits. Yeah, right. Um, and that was like, that was the moment of like, okay. So yeah, it's, yes, business is hard. Business is hard. But that it's getting into it. The making the first dollar, once you get over that hump, that part is like, oh, I guess, because I didn't have all 500 people buy, right? It was mm-hmm. 20 people or whatever. Um, but it was enough. And then I tried to relaunch the thing in January thinking, well, if I did that, I'll just do that every month and I'll be up to making six figures in no time and quickly realized I had already kind of, that was it. I needed to wait and kind of regroup. And that that was a big letdown for me business wise. But Uh yeah, that was kind of the very, very ugly. I would not show those videos to anyone now, Um, (laughs) but they're out there somewhere. Um, But it was just, it was a start and I'm making Mm -hmm. much better stuff now, but that was, that was, it's kind of like when we make music. Like if you go listen to the songs I made in high school, that was what I could do. That was, that was like a, like a stamp of this is what 18 year old Joe can do. And mm-hmm. it is what it is. And then what I do this year, you can stamp that and say, that's 2022 version of Joe. And it's mm-hmm. better than the other, but they're both have their qualities and there's things I like about the old stuff and the new stuff. So I, I'm, I'm a big fan of that idea of creating a body of work um, versus like having to make one perfect piece of work because i don't think that exists yeah there's a there's a british philosopher by the name of elaine de button who says that if basically to paraphrase him he says if you're not embarrassed by who you were last year you're probably not learning enough <laughs> that's really so good. so thankfully <laughs> if for all of us who look at our past work and cringe and please believe yep. there's plenty of cringeworthy stuff that I put out into the world. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that 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 is a good thing. That means you're. Uh-huh. That's mean you've. That means you've learned and you've grown. So you 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 launched this course and you said, I just made five grand from this hundred dollar course and holy moly, I'm I am soon going to be rolling in the proverbial it. Mm-hmm. and that did not happen. And what did you do? 
the like soon early in the next year i bought the domain understandinginternetbusiness.com cuz i was like i figured it out everyone i'm going to start teaching it <laughs> okay <laughs> cuz <I'd, laughs> it never happened thank the lord um that would have been hilarious but no i so i i like i said i went and tried to launch it again the next month mm-hmm. and only like 10 people bought and then i was like i'm going to do it again the next month and like 6 people bought so, so you're wearing out your list mm-hmm. it's the same they, list they, same crowd yeah, it, the list hadn't grown in a month. Right. Um, and so then I realized, well, I guess I'll just have to make a new course. And oh. that started me on a journey of making what ended up being over 20 kind of almost mini courses. So like in the in the video world, if you made a, like what's a, a certain topic you could make a video on, like a certain piece of editing that you could talk about and teach for three to four hours? Um. Well, just let's, let's say storytelling. Okay. Storytelling. Um, I would do like a, I had an understanding storytelling course. So for me mm-hmm. in the audio world, it would be things like understanding EQ, which is a certain type of plugin, understanding mm-hmm. compression. You, you know about compression somewhat, I imagine just through what you do. Uh, so just one of, on each of those things, there was one on editing, there was one on pro tools, which was the software I used at the time. There was, and it just went on and on and on and on. Like I would just come up with these little quick ideas that I could almost shoot in a day and then I would shoot them and I would create a quick sales page and I would sell it and they would buy it because it was something new that I hadn't made before. Um, so that was the first two years or so of the business was, all right, I sold that. They bought it. Now what? Got to make create something new and sell that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very. So, simple. okay. So on one hand, you had you had this you had this list of ideas of the things that you'd want to be able to you know that you were able to talk about and people were buying at some point that came to an end or at some point you said this is i i'm not going to just keep making course after course after course after course mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so what what changed in there i mean part of it was yet yeah, ran out of ideas like there's just only so many different ways to I'm not going to say skin the cat because people get mad about that. There's only so many ways to peel the orange. Um, <laughs> let's start that. That's the new, that's the new metaphor. Um, okay. That's it. We started it right here. Uh, yeah. So it was part of it was just out of, run out of ideas. Um, mm-hmm. And the other was it was in like 2011. I started my VIP membership, which was at the time a $5 a month, just kind of extra monthly training kind of thing, just on random topics. Um, so that was one idea was to get a recurring revenue thing going. So I wasn't as beholden to selling something, one thing at a time. Um, and that was quasi successful. Like I had people join it never, it's to this day has never been very big. It still exists today. Um, Mm -hmm. but then I, there was a, a friend of mine, uh, his name's Graham Cochran and he started his website and blog and YouTube channel, which was is called The Recording Revolution, very similar to mine, which is Home Studio Corner. We were talking kind of to the same people, talking about kind of the same topics. And at first I was threatened by him. And then I was like, well, I kind of like him. So I said, hey, let's do a podcast together. Um, and so we started a podcast called The Simply Recording Podcast. And we would both kind of come from our audience and kind of have this joint thing together. That led to doing some in-person events in Nashville where we would like rent out a studio and invite people to buy tickets and come just try. We're literally just in, let's just try everything mode. Mm-hmm. Um, but then one day I was watching my wife and I were watching that TV show chopped where 
four chefs have the same ingredients and they have to cook something and then it gets judged. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool to hear how two different people mix the same song? Cause it's the same raw tracks, but I bet they get wildly different end results. Mm. And so, and I think it was my wife who came up with the name dueling mixes. So I emailed Graham. I said, Hey, let's do this. Let's do a membership called dueling mixes where you and I both mix a song every month. Members can mix it, but then they get to see how each of us did it. We can do a video showing how we each went about it. So you're learning from kind of two people with the same material. Two it's mentors really and you get is so two mentors using the same source tracks mm-hmm. and members got to access this, those same tracks and do their own mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. So it'd be like so if th- you and, and, and another video guy both took the raw footage and did your own edits. Mm-hmm. They would be wildly different, I would imagine. Same story-ish, mm-hmm. but it's going to be just a whole different style, different feel, different vibe. Um, so that that it ended up being this fascinating. Like we did it for seven or eight years. That's twelve mixes a month, and there every single month I was surprised at how our mixes would be different. Both probably good and and like usable, but just so different too. It's hard to explain, but it was just a just a very interesting experiment and people loved the idea and came in droves. Man, oh man. Yeah. So, so what did that do for your business? I mean, it was huge. We, um, it was a $27 a month membership. That was the price, the entire life of the thing. Um, and we, we both thought it would be cause we both had individual courses. He didn't have a membership. I had my little $5 a month membership that was just little teeny tiny. Um, so we thought, you know, after a couple of years, this might grow into a significant regular income for us and our business. Um, mm-hmm. But we got, I want to say, it's been so long, but I want to say we got, it was either 100 or 200 members in the first month. Like mm-hmm. when we opened the doors, we announced it on the podcast, we sent emails to our lists and it just, it just happened to be a cool idea at the right time. And there wasn't anything else like that. Um, and so we had right out of the gate, 150 or so people paying $27 a month. And even mm-hmm. though we were splitting it, it was like, Oh, that's actually, that's like money. That's money, money. Um, and then it just, it continued to grow from there. I think it, at one point it was, I can't remember the numbers now, but it got to be several hundred members. Um, so it became these, like the significant portion of my income, even splitting it with him, that became at least half or more of all the money my business would make. Um, mm-hmm. just kind of a staggering thing that was very simple. And we really didn't change it all that much over the years. It was just a simple idea and people like, wow. It. Yeah. So that, so that ended up, that ended up ticking over and over and over and over. Mm-hmm. And here you were, you had, you, you now had this foundation. You had a floor, you had a monthly floor mm-hmm. that you knew every, every month you're going to get this chunk of money deposited mm-hmm. into your bank account. Yeah. As opposed to having to constantly scrape and scrabble and imagine, okay, what am I going to create and sell? What mm-hmm. am I going to go hunt out, <laughs> go out and hunt and drag back to the yeah. cave? And <laughs> man, which, is, which on one hand is very romantic and fun to think about, but in the real world, like that's it's exhausting. And sometimes you don't find anything to drag home and it's, a big, it's a big struggle for sure. Yeah. So then what happened, uh, what happened after dueling mixes? So we, we ran that for years and years. Um, 
And then I would continue to do other courses and try out other things. And we did a few more events together. Um, but it started, it kind of peaked and then we made some changes. We offered an annual version. Um, and we, at the time we would only, when you, like, if you joined in January, you would get January's content and you would get December's content, but you wouldn't get any of the previous content. Kind of like if you bought an actual magazine, you're not going to get all the old back issues. Sure. Um, and we would sell the back issues as like an upsell. You could buy those. But at some point we decided to just put all the back issues in the members area so they could have access to the whole library for just 27 bucks if they wanted. Um, and so stuff like we kept kind of adding value that way to kind of keep things going. Um, and that helped. Uh, and so it, it made a lot of money for a lot of years. And then it started to kind of just trickle, started to kind of die off. Um, and it, if you ask why it probably part of it, we just would probably bored with it. We were doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so we did never really changed the format. Um, we even did things like in-person meetups twice a year. Like I would fly down to Tampa where Graham lives and we would have a meetup there and just, just trying lots of different things. Um, but it was just kind of starting to peter out. I think it just run mm -hmm. its course. Um, yeah. and there were lots, you know, we started that in like 20, 2012, 2013, and it, we closed it right at the end of 2019. Um, so that's a, that was a, there was a lot more content creators doing the kind of stuff we're doing a lot more courses, a lot more, just a lot more in the space by then. Uh, when we started there, I don't think there was a membership based around like audio and mixing. Um, and when we stopped, there were probably dozens of places you could spend certain amount of money a month to learn stuff. Um, so yeah, it, it eventually petered out. We decided to close the doors, which is really hard because there was still money coming in, but we didn't want it to go down and become this ghost town and really awkward yeah. um, until it came to just making a few hundred bucks. And so we kind of decided we'll close it. We'll let members keep access to the material for a year. And then we'll kind of officially like shut it all down. Mm -hmm. um, super sad um, because at that time it was half our income still or a little over half, I think, of mm -hmm. uh, my wife and I. So um, so that put me back, when that closed, it put us back in the, all right, so we're back to zero at the start of the month. Where are we going to go from there? Thankfully, I had the VIP membership that I'd kept alive all that mm -hmm. time, which is bringing up some money, not tons. So right. I had a little bit of a base there. But um, yeah, kind of got back to, okay, now I don't have this big, huge cash cow I need to figure out what, what courses I'm making and selling and stuff directly to my audience again to kind of figure out um, how to replace what we lost with that. So what'd you do? So we, um, it, was a, it was a hard season because we, we, my wife kind of freaked out, as you could understand, losing half your income. Sure. She, she stays home with the kids, so she's, she helps me with my business, but she doesn't have her own job per se. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we actually sold our house. It was kind of a dream house. We did the whole, we spent a lot of money when we had the money, didn't save a ton. Um, and then we, so we, we had, we had savings. We could have stayed for a good long time, but we kind of freaked out, sold the house to kind of try to downsize to accommodate for this impending doom that was coming of income cutting down dramatically. Mm -hmm. Um, but as you know, a number of things happened that as tends to happen where it feels like we were freaked out and God said, here you go. I'm going to, and so like a, a company that I work with, if you could see down here, you would see a bunch of equipment from a company called Personas. Mm -hmm. um, I've used their stuff for years. I use their software. Um, they're 
VP of global sales calls me and says, Hey, you want a job? Completely out of the blue. <laughs> like the day after we decided to sell our house. Oh, um, dude. Right? Like these things don't just, it's not just a happenstance. Like there's, there's a wow. design to this. There is, there is stories and the threads throughout this whole thing. But um, no, I didn't want, I, I didn't want to work for anybody. Like I'm at, I've been doing my own thing for 10 years. I'm an entrepreneur. I will turn my nose up at this. But no, I was like, this is, this is probably a good idea. So, um, so I actually took that job, which is just making content, but now for them, in addition to my own thing. And that gave us kind of a baseline income again, that we could then take a step back and look at the business and say, what's wrong here? Because there was a lot of things wrong. I was still selling courses that I made in like 2011 that were kind of outdated and weren't that great anymore. And so we kind of scrapped everything, like literally removed all of our courses. And I decided to simplify down to just two or three, one about mixing, one about recording. And I might do one more for like mastering, which is kind of the final stage of the process. Mm -hmm. Um, that became a huge endeavor that took year, like six months at least to create the mixing course, which in this time I decided to create it first and then sell it. So I knew exactly what I was selling and it was a lot more convincing sales pitch when I wasn't like, I bet this is going to be great. I've only made the first video, but I promise it's going to be super. So well, <laughs> I was able to make it valuable first. Well, it's not that it, it's not that you hadn't put in all the reps for years and years right, right, right. and you knew what the heck you were doing, number one, and you knew all the questions that people were already asking. Right. So it was, it was drawing from that wealth of experience to know these are the things people are going to get hung up on. Like you said, I, I knew how this needed to be shaped to make it the most valuable. Um, but that only kind of comes from like, I'm, I, I'm glad for all the courses that I made that are kind of retired now because it helped me learn kind of what's valuable now. Um, but yeah, that's, so we did that with a mixing course, sold that, and then got started on the recording course, which is much bigger. It ended up being like, I'm getting ready to relaunch it. I was working on some emails for it this morning. It's like 30, it's over 80 videos. It's 30 plus hours. Um, wow. Of like the whole process, drum kit, cello, like all kinds of things. Um, but I was like, I need to make this be the one, right? If you want to learn the whole thing, there's a lot to learn. So it was just this massive project, but I, it's really good and I'm really proud of it. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So what's looking down the road as you see your business evolving, what do, what do you see happening in the future? I think the next big thing for us is we're in a bit of a slump with, as far as like new subscribers and both email and YouTube. So we're, we've been sitting just under 200,000 subscribers for about a year. Okay. Um, just very slow growth. So we've, we've seen that over the years. It'll, we'll sit, like I, I was stuck at 40,000 for like really long time. I think when you and I met, I was just like, mm -hmm. we're at 40. That's just where we're going to be for the rest of eternity. Um, and, and learning that, okay, what I've been doing for three years that has worked isn't really working as well anymore. So I'm going to have to change something. Um, and so we're kind of in that right now. Okay. We need to downshift and regroup and figure out what we're doing to make, to make valuable content for people in 2022. Cause that's a whole different audience than it was in 2012. Um, it's not fun work. It's the kind of thing I'd rather put my head in the sand and just do the same thing I did yesterday. Mm -hmm. But what I did yesterday isn't working as well as it was. So, um, so I'm just going to jump in here. So for anyone here who's been putting out content on YouTube, and saying, oh, if I only had 
if I could, mm -hmm. oh man, if I could just get that number of subscribers, if I could just get to that number of subscribers, I mean, how many people, how many creators on YouTube are even within shooting distance of 200,000 subscribers? And yet there are still, please believe there are challenges no matter what level mm -hmm. that you find yourself at. Yeah, because I think it's a, it's a, this desire to, to grow, like to do good work and to improve yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and so like if you're either going in one direction or the other, um, and for us, it's just kind of seeing the reality of, okay, we've seen kind of what, what that needs to be to like, as far as like YouTube ad revenue and then what we get from subscribers and how we build our business. Like it just, those numbers need to be up pretty high to get what we need to, what we need to happen for the business. Um, but also just to level, okay, what's the next challenge? What's the next, you know, we, okay, we played the Ryman auditorium. What's next, right? That's a right. big dream of mine. It probably won't happen, but soon the next morning, you know, I'm going to be thinking, okay, what do we, what's the next thing we're going to go for? And not in a discontented way, just in a, we're kind of, we're always kind of aiming for something. So um, I, I don't mean to belittle the, because I'm very aware, because I was in those shoes of, I had my first thousand subscribers, never going to get anywhere. But I'm sitting here with just under 200,000. My friend Graham that I mentioned before, he has done such a good job. He is so much more successful in terms of just numbers than I've been. He's pushing, you know, 600,000 subscribers. So you might look at mine and be like, oh, I want that. And I'm looking at his saying, oh, I want that. Like, you know, and he's got somebody with a two, you know, 20 million subscribers that he's jealous of or whatever. Yeah. So I'm not promoting coveting, but it's, we're all in that kind of journey, right? We're all like, okay, I was there. I'm here. I want to be there. And you've got that same position wherever you are too. hundred percent. Yeah. Dude, so much good stuff here. Uh, if, if people want to learn more about what you're into and yeah. what you're, what, what you're laying down, where do they find you? Just come search up home studio corner on YouTube or my name, Joe Gilder. You'll find me one of those places there. Make sure to check out Joe's YouTube channel and the links in the show notes or the description below. And if you are a content creator who wants to go to the next level in your content, then consider joining us in the green room. It's our monthly membership here at Story Greenlight that's all about helping you unlock the next world of impact in your content and in yourself. You can get access to the green room for a full month for free. You can get started at the link in the show notes or the description below right now, and I'll see you there.